0: Hello, 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 and welcome to Sanctuary Church of the Holy Spirit. I am Prophet Jane Brandon Brown, and it is an extreme pleasure and honor to be with you today. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. God gave me a word. And it's a three-part series. I will probably repeat this again. And it's called, I have a message from the Lord. And some of you will recognize that as an old hymn that I know as a young person and as a child, we used to sing in church. And the song got stuck in my spirit first. And I sang that song all day yesterday. I drove everybody crazy singing that song so much. But um, the words of the song are important. And, And in the song, it tells you that it's written. And where is it written? It is written in scripture, it is written in the word of God that he wants us, his desire for us is to be able to look unto him and live, have eternal life, have everlasting life. And so today we're going to look at his word so that we may live. Our Father and our God, the eternal one, the lover of our souls, the giver of life and salvation. Our Father, we come to you today on this day that has never been birthed into the earth realm and will never be seen again. On this day of days, this chief day, this first day, this new beginning day, we come to you with thanksgiving. I thank you for every person who will hear this, who will see this, will get an impartation from this. Father God, may you bless them, may you edify them, may you correct them where necessary, may you love on them. May you show them grace and greater mercy. Father, I ask that you bless their families and their friends, their circle of influence. God, that you would stretch them and expand them, that you would come in relationship with them, that they would know Jesus the Christ for themselves. I ask, oh God, that on this day, oh Lord, that your will, your way, and your word be made manifest, on the earth as it is in heaven. Father, we give you glory, we honor you today. We are a thankful people, a grateful people. Hallelujah, amen. If you're watching this, I'm going to ask you if you were on YouTube, if you will look down at that little button that says subscribe and you will click that button, hallelujah. And I would also ask that you send me a message. Let me know that you saw today's service. Let me know how the word of God impacted your life. Let me know that you are just alive and well. And even if things are not the way you want them to be, hallelujah, still just send me a message. I love hearing from you. I love having the opportunity to get back to you. And, and, and I just want you to have contact. You know, we're living in a time where there's just no contact. There there, there, there seems like the human connection is, is, is scattered. And so we want to reach out you know, when I was a little girl, my bell, some of y'all will know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all won't. They're saying, prophet's showing her age. I'm proud of my age. Too many people didn't get to this age. Hallelujah. And so we want to reach out and we want to touch somebody today. If God has put somebody on your heart, on your mind, reach out to that person because the Bible tells us, and in these days we see it, Manifest this truth in our lives. Tomorrow is not promised. For some of us, today is not promised. So if you are alive and inhaling and exhaling on this planet called Earth, then you just need to say thank you to God. And we would like to hear from you. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button. Glory, hallelujah. And so without too much further ado, the song, I'm going to sing that song. Now y'all know, I'm no Yolanda Adams or Beyonce. I just like to praise the Lord. And if you know the song, wherever you are, just sing along. Hallelujah. Glory. And I want you to know that I get excited about the things of God. The the prophet in me, the teacher in me, the, the citizen of the kingdom in me, the daughter of God in me gets excited. My spirit gets excited and ignites my soul. And there's a whole party going on in here. So you are invited to join this party. Glory, hallelujah. So the song goes, I have a message from the Lord, hallelujah, it is only that you look and live. I have a message from the Lord, hallelujah, the message unto you I give. Look and live, my brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. I've a message from the Lord, hallelujah, and it's only that you look and live. I've a message from the Lord, hallelujah, and the message unto you. I'll give, tis a message that is true, hallelujah, and it's only that you look and live. So I know I didn't give you the whole verse and the whole long four stanzas, because the key to it is that the Lord wants you to look and to live. So God gave me so much. I had to break this down into a three part series. So today is part one and that is coming to us from numbers 21, four through nine. And it's a story that'll probably be familiar to some and maybe new to others. It's a testimony and a Mm redemption. Look at my tongue trying to tie. (laughs) It's a story that brings us insight into a people of ancient times, but it's applicable to us today. And so we want to take God's word wherever we can. And we want to look at how it applies to our life. How can we take that same word and make that word applicable for us? How can we appropriate that word and make it personal? How can we activate that word in our lives so that we can have life and have it more abundantly? Glory, hallelujah. So in... Numbers chapter 21, verses four through nine. And we're going to start at verse four. And in the word, it says, and they, and the they they're talking about is Israel. So Israel has set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom The people became impatient. So I want to stop there for one second. So they were on a journey. Each and every one of us is on a journey. We're on a journey called life. And what happens to us like what happens to them as we go around things and as as we go through things we become impatient because god gave us some promises and sometimes people gave us some promises we have expectations and and we're looking for things and we're hoping for things and we're believing for things and we're trusting for things and and sometimes We get impatient because this generation has created a a microwave response. We think that everything should happen to us instantly, that we think it, it should happen, that we say it, we should claim it, and it should happen, that we click our fingers and there it is, that God is some kind of genie outside the bottle. But it's a process that we have to go through. And so the people became... a impatient because of all the challenges of the journey. We face challenges in the journey. Some of us face a challenge just getting up in the morning. You know, your body has aged and it's arthritic. Sometimes young people are are facing challenges of cancer, of no food, of drug-addicted parents, of homelessness. We face challenges of, of wayward children, Uh, of not enough finance of too much month and not enough money of shut off notices and repossessions we face challenges of broken marriages of becoming sudden widows of, of of death happening all around us we face Challenges, glory, hallelujah. And in facing those challenges, sometimes we get impatient for it to be over. When we get sick and we can't wait to get well, I remember when I had to have uh, uh, my knee replaced. And you know, my first question is, okay, how long is this going to take? How long before I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing the other? And the doctor kept telling me it's a process. There, there's a process to healing. You know, we opened you up and we took a part out, and then we put that part back in, like a heart or a lung or a kidney. And that part has to connect to the tissues and the veins and everything that's inside. It has to create a relationship, and then it has to mend and heal and become one. It has to unify with your body. your body not rejected and 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 it's a process that takes place and that process takes time and you have to learn how to be patient and so as a people as a human race we don't know how to be patient and and so one of the fruits of the spirit is patience and let me tell you as a witness when God is working out patience in you, it is not pleasant. Those two words kind of go together. They're twins, patience and pleasant. There's a un in front of it. It is not a pleasant situation when God is working out patience in me or you. And so in verse four, they're at this place where they're impatient now. They're, they're tired of the challenges. They're tired of everything that's happening to them. They're tired and, and, and they're looking for a change. And so in verse five, it says, so the people started to speak against God and against Moses, They the, the, the leader. And, and we're guilty of that. You know, we get impatient with God. And we start talking about God. You know, if God was God, then why am I still broke? If God is God, then why don't I have a new car? If God is God, why aren't my children acting like they have some sense? If God is God, why did my husband die? If God is God, we start saying, you know, God brought us here and God brought us there and God took us here and God took us there. And then we start talking about the people. He should have known better. He's supposed to talk to God. Who's he hearing from? What God is he talking to? He done brought us out here. We, we we facing all this stuff—thorns and thistles and harsh weather and high temperatures—and we should have just stayed where we were. You know, it was better where we were. I heard somebody say one time after they got saved and came into the church, "I should have stayed in the bar." At least in the bar, everybody was friendly. Everybody talked to everybody. Everybody treated people for drinks. The bartender listened. I come to church and everybody mean and nasty. Don't nobody want to talk. Don't nobody want to listen. Can't nobody hear. Murmur and complain. Murmur and complain. Got something to say about everything. So they said to Moses, why did you bring me out of Egypt? And Egypt represents two things. Egypt represents a place of refuge. When you first get to Egypt, you found refuge. But after you're in Egypt, you find out that what you're really in is a place of spiritual and physical bondage. You wrapped up. Tangled up and tied up and can't get out. And why did you take us out of that place that was familiar? Why did you take us out of that place that was hard, but at least we knew how to navigate it? Why did you take us out of that place to bring us to die in the wilderness? So the wilderness represents some place that's uninhabited some place that people don't willingly go to so, some place that's filled with lack because it's uninhabited by human beings because it it, it hasn't been leveled out and 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 molded and structures built because there are no roads and and and, and toilets and running water because there are no creature comforts because it's not what we're used to seeing or how we're used to living because it's something different it's a uncivilized uninhabited place and so we come there and now we thought we had lack until we got to the wilderness and now we're in a wilderness and, and and there's no ready supply there's no easy acquisition the wilderness is rough the terrain is rough The everything around it is it, it, rough and, and 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 not conducive for comfort the wilderness is neglected it is it, not a kept place it's not a clean place. It's, it is not a nourishing place it's unsettled and it's dangerous. All around you, danger, 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 this way, danger, that way, danger. It's a place that hasn't been navigated before, so you can't navigate it now. You you need a guide. You, you, you need to be shown the way. You need footsteps to step into to follow so you don't get caught up in some dangerous part of the terrain that you don't get devoured by what's living in the wilderness that you can't see and sometimes can't hear. It's a place of fear, a place of discomfort and despair It's a place of loneliness. For two years, America has been in a pandemic wilderness. People are lonely. People have to, excuse me, die alone. Sometimes people have to live alone. People have lived in isolation. People have lived in fear. People have lived without enough food. People have live through, and it's bad enough that you have this pandemic, medical pandemic going on, but then there comes the storms of life, the snowstorms, the rainstorms, the tsunamis, the earthquakes, the volcanic explosions. So all of this on top of all of that. So people are losing their homes, their cars, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their loved ones, People, sometimes whole towns have been wiped out in the blink of an eye. So when you're in the wilderness, it's a place of self-doubt and and low self-esteem. It's it's a place of helplessness. And so you're there and you're saying, when am I coming out of the wilderness? And you, you, you do like Israel and you begin to look back and you begin to say, it was better in bondage than it is being free in the wilderness and and you're murmuring and you're complaining and then they start saying for there is no bread there's no way for us to even make bread there's no wheat to grind into flour there there's no water to mix with the flour to even make the dough there the food that we do have, it's just miserable. We are tired of eating this food. We can do without eating this food. We want something else. We want something better. We want something different. We believe that when we left captivity, that freedom was gonna be this wonderful thing. Angels were gonna sing. The heavens were going apart. It, it was just going to be a glorious time had by all. <clears throat> I remember when I was little, my uncle said that they were in such lack. They were so poor when he made it to college. The only thing that he could afford to eat was baked beans. And so every day he couldn't even afford the pot to heat the beans. So every day he opened a can of beans and he ate a can of cold baked beans and that's how he survived graduating from college way back in the day day and he said he would promise god every time he ate a can of beans when i graduate when i get a job and i start making money in my field when i when i when i i will never eat a baked bean again in my life and we know the story because we end up asking him one day we were all eating hot dogs and baked beans and he would not touch the beans and we say why Bean baked beans are so good you know hot dogs and baked beans hamburgers and baked beans is a stable and he told us the story And we just couldn't imagine as children eating baked beans seven days a week for years out of a can that's room temperature. And that being what sustains us. And so that's how Israel felt at that point. And now they want something different. They they want something new. And so on verse Six, it said after the Lord heard them talk about him like a dog and talk about Moses like a dog and complain about everything he was doing for them, how he had kept them, how nothing had touched them, they were surviving, they were living, they were moving. It says, The Lord sent fiery serpents. Now, that word fiery in the Hebrew, it's the same word, the root word for what gives us seraphim. And the seraphim were the closest angels to God. And their focus was on praise and worship. So just as an aside, if you think about that their focus was praise and worship, who was the leader of the praise and worship team? Who was created for praise and worship? Who Lucifer? So that tells you that Lucifer, before he fell from there to here, he was a seraphim, close to God, worshiping and praising God, high in the angelic hierarchy, but not high enough for him. And so God sent some of them down. And and when they got here, they came here as serpents. And the Bible says that in the Garden of Eden, the serpent Lucifer, in his new form, beguiled Eve. But we we're not going that, that that direction. I just want to want you to think. I just want to spark some things so you'll go back and you can see how the word knits itself together. And so these 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 little fiery serpents have come among the people and you know fire burns and 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 it singes and fire itself is uncomfortable unless it's the fire of the holy spirit which means the passion of the holy spirit and it said when this happened many people died because why this is a plague this is a plague it's a plague that's come upon a nation, and, and, and it's come upon that nation because that nation turned its face from God. That nation began to murmur and complain. That nation began to look at itself that it's great, and it, it should be uh, uh, more self-sufficient, and it should have more creature comforts, and, and, and it just... It didn't want to listen anymore, and it didn't want to obey anymore, and it didn't want to be in relationship anymore, and it it had just become a pounding child, and so God sent discipline, and so after many people died, in verse seven, they come back to Moses, and they say to Moses, "Look, we have sinned." Our behavior was funky. What we were saying was out of order. We talked about you. We talked about God. We talked about ladi Dottie and everybody. And we see that it has caused an issue in our nation. We are being plagued. People are dying. So we want you to go to God on our behalf. And we want you to ask the Lord to take the fiery serpents away from us, to to remove them out of our nation. And so Moses went to God and interceded for the people he was leading and asked God what they requested. Will you take this away from us? Will you remove this plague from our nation? And in verse 8, the Lord then says to Moses, make a fiery serpent. So he's now telling Moses, take what's killing you. Take the situation, the circumstance, the issue that is killing you and turn it around. So he said, make a fiery serpent of bronze. Some uh, editions or translations will say brass and brass means clearing away so take take this object that is killing you and use it to clear away bronze represents salvation it's pointing way back in exodus and numbers and leviticus and deuteronomy it's pointing to jesus it represents healing truth Stability, support, strength, and uplifting. And so he says, Take this bronze, I, this piece of bronze, and fashion it into a fiery serpent. And then attach that fiery serpent to a long pole. And everyone who is bitten, that looks upon that pole will live so right there we get the crux of the message look and live the bible says look unto the hills which comes your help look unto the hills which comes your salvation look up and see the salvation of the Lord look up and see your support. Look up and see where your sustainer is. Look up and see where the source is that brings your resource. Look up. And when you look up, glory, hallelujah, you will live. You will live because all the other stuff is going to be cleared away. All the other stuff is going to be removed. So that word live means more than just breathing. It, it, it means that you're going to have a prosperous life, that you're going to have a healed life, that, that you're going to be in a better place, that you're going to not just be barely surviving, but you're going to thrive that word live has much more depth than what it looks like at first glance. And then that word look says when you see it and then not just see it, but you understand it, you, you perceive the, the, the meaning behind it that when you get a, a, a light bulb to go off in your head, then you will begin. To live because you will see that salvation comes from the Lord. That your help comes from the Lord. That the strength, the healing, everything you need comes from the Lord. So when you look up and you see that symbol, for them, it was the fiery serpent on a pole. For us, it's Jesus the Christ on a cross. So when you look up and you see that cross that's empty because he's no longer hanging on it. But when you see it, it reminds you. That's why in communion, he said, do this in remembrance of me. When you look at it and you think about what that sacrifice brought you. When you think about that healing is available to you, that abundant life is available to you, that salvation is available to you, that peace is available to you, that love and community and kingdom citizenship is available to you. When you see through God's word and the sacrifice, of jesus what's available to you and you begin to comprehend and understand then that look will cause you to truly live and that's why he said look and live look and live look and live my brother live and brothers universal me my brother and my sister look and live look and live and so Moses did as God instructed him and he made a serpent of bronze and he put it on the pole and it happened that if anybody had been bitten by the fiery serpent that all he had to do was look at that bronze serpent on a pole and he lived and did not die. So today, that's what God wants for you. God wants you to live and not die. He wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to be in fellowship with him. He wants you to be a viable citizen with all of his privileges, on earth and in kingdom we have dual citizenship we are citizens of this planet called earth and we are citizens of the kingdom of god and citizenship comes with rights and privileges but you can't appropriate them if you're not in good citizenship you can't appropriate them if you're not in fellowship you can't be a citizen if you haven't met the criteria for citizenship and one of the criteria is salvation and salvation is simple y'all it's real simple god requires two things He doesn't require you to do backflips down the aisle. He doesn't require you to get a megaphone and go on the corner. He doesn't require you to recite a litany or dissertation. He just asks two things. There are two elements to salvation. Because the Bible says salvation is by faith. And faith. Is what moves God. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We are in relationship with God by faith. And so the two things, y'all thought I forgot, didn't you? No, I didn't forget. Number one is believe. It says believe with your heart. And that heart, that word heart is your mind, your understanding, your logic. Believe with your whole mind that jesus the christ is who he said he was that he lived he died and he lives forever believe the gospel which is the good news about jesus and then confess that belief with your mouth didn't say make a dissertation it didn't say You know, list all the sins from birth to to present. It didn't say that. It said, believe that Jesus is who he says he is, did what he said he was going to do and continues to do. Believe, get that understanding about Jesus, the Christ. And then once you have it, confess it. And the Bible says the moment that that happens, the moment, it doesn't matter where you are. You can be on a corner about to prostitute your body. You can be on a corner and just made a a, a deal and got drugs in your pocket, just came out of the liquor store. You can be in a hotel as a rocker about to go in the bathroom and shoot up. You can be anywhere at any time. But the moment that light bulb goes on in your mind and then it comes out your mouth. The Bible says, by faith, you are saved. And that's part A of the story. And then part B of the story is working out your soul salvation. That's the renewing of the mind. That's the journey of life that is not always pleasant. Remember, back in the beginning, when we talked about Israel, it said Israel got impatient on the journey because of the challenges they face. This life is a challenge. We face challenges every day, our eyes open. But we are more than conquerors. And we overcome by our testimony. You overcome by hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But it also comes through testimony. When somebody can stand before you and say, been there, done that, and I'm still here to tell you about it. When somebody can tell you, "Woo!" when I look back over my life, And i think things over i understand now that but god when somebody tells you that i should have been dead but i am yet alive because of god when somebody tells you that i could feel the prayers of the righteous i could feel my mother's prayer my best friend's prayer my children's prayer my grandma's prayer. I could feel the interceding on my behalf, and I'm alive today because of it. When somebody can tell you, see, we testify to people all the time, but we don't think of it as testifying. We think of it as you know, just just talking to somebody and encouraging them. You know, when you want to get somebody to go to AA or NA. Or, or, or go get help for mental health. You know, when you tell them, you know, I, I was hearing voices and the voices were telling me to do this. Sometime it might be five, sometime it was seven. And my mind was fragmented, but now my mind, every fragment of my mind has been called back to wholeness and I have a whole mind and I can stand here and tell you today, When somebody tells you that I died and came back to life and this is what I saw, this is what I experienced. When somebody tells you, yes, my husband died. He went to sleep and he is no more. And yes, the pain and the suddenness of it and the unfairness of it makes you angry as it snatches the breath from you. But I'm here to tell you, you will exhale again and you will inhale again and you will live and get past this and you will have peace in that thing. I'm a witness. I'm here to tell you that there is a through. Sometimes in the challenge of the journey, we get stuck on the hump of the H or the underside of the O or the the slide down of the U. But there is a through. And when you get through this, you get to a place called there. And there is rest. And there is newness. And there is restoration. And there is healing. And there is peace. And there is love. And there's a different type of tear. And and, and speaking of tears, our tears are so important. Glory to God. That the Bible says that God has an angel collecting our tears in a vial. Because nothing about us is not important to him. As insignificant as we might feel sometimes. As low as our esteem and our worth might get at some time. We're invaluable to God. We're important to God. No matter what we do, he loves us. He doesn't always like or agree with our choices. He's not always happy about our behavior, our thoughts, our words, our deeds but it never changes the fact that he loves us and he wants the best for us and he wants us to be saved. He sent his son to sacrifice his life that we may have life, that we have the opportunity to be saved and come into relationship with him. So I invite you today to try Jesus. To try salvation. To try God. Two things. Believe. Jesus the Christ. And then confess that belief. And by faith. You are saved. And then the hard. The hard part. The hard work starts. Because your journey. kingdom of God has begun. And if you think that Lucifer, Satan, or whatever name you give him, and his minions are going to be happy because you did that and you left his kingdom for God's kingdom, think again. But in this world, you are not alone. In this world, He has given us the information, the direction, and the people to help us navigate this journey. So as I come to a close, know that God loves you. And he sent me to tell you, he loves you and he wants you to live to look, and to live. So don't forget, click that subscribe button, drop us a word, and we promise to get back to you. Know that God loves you, and I love you with the love of God. It doesn't matter whether I know you, met you, I love you and to my dear friends across the world, especially those in South Africa who joined me today. I miss you. I love you and I send my love to you. I hope to see you all soon. Be blessed. I will see you back here next Sunday. And starting on the 15th, those of you who are so inclined, we will be doing the School of the Prophets. Woohoo for the School of the Prophets. And no, you do not have to be a prophet to come to the school, it is open to all. So I look forward to seeing you soon. I look forward to part two of this message. Be blessed, be empowered, be encouraged. Remember, we walk by faith and not by human sight. Till the next time we're together. Bye, my loves.